Ladies and gentlemen from Colonial Heights, Virginia, and all seasons tabletop studios, it's the Undiluted Truth with Mike and Mike. Today's episode is Can You Handle the Truth with Anthony Fauci? Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Our podcast email is theundilutedtruth.podcast at gmail.com. Are you on your best behavior today? It's difficult, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, difficult. Welcome, all of you rock tumblers and truth seekers out there, to another episode of The Undiluted Truth. And my name is Mike, and Ben is not here. I'm sure most of you that uh, listened were expecting a, where's Ben? Uh, Ben has been out for a few days with a flu bug, and we want to wish him a get well soon. Ben, we are going to miss you today, uh, and we've been missing you uh here at the studio. So uh, get well soon to get uh, get back in here and we can uh, actually do a episode together. So anyway, uh, good to be here to, uh, this afternoon uh, uh, on this platform again. We've got a great show. If you recall the last one, we just got into the first portion of the documentary uh, coming from the book that Bobby Kennedy Jr., has put out uh, titled The Real Anthony Fauci. So yes, we're back into sort of dissecting the character and the history of this man who just seemed to have, have come out of nowhere into the news and into our lives, basically. And I know you've heard us uh, mention it that uh, I had not even heard of this, uh, this man before the corona and and all of that. So uh, we are going to continue into that. And uh, if you recall, just a little you know, recap uh, on the initial episode, we got into what I think the highlight of it was, was the uh, event uh, 201. And I have heard some folks call it event 21. But the bottom line is, is that basically the the world health organization did an event sort of like a dress rehearsal of what they were getting ready to perpetrate on on the world and that was absolutely stunning i mean they did it from beginning to end you know with the media coming in making comments uh, talking about shortages talking about uh, the distancing and and the whole nine yards so if you did not see that, go back, listen to the episode again, because we played that in its entirety, and it's, it, it really is stunning. Uh, and I will mention that this particular documentary is actually becoming harder and harder to find. So, I mean, when we talk about turning over rocks to find truth, some of the resources that we use are even getting harder 
to find. So I'm currently watching, uh, or, or pick this up on, I should say, off of uh, Brighteon, and that's B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N, Brighteon.com, and that's uh, uh, Mike Adams' uh, organization. So you can pick it up there. So that's currently, who knows what tomorrow may be, but uh, that's a pretty sure-fired uh, place to pick it up because I know who runs that particular platform. So with, uh, without any further ado, uh, we, will, we will go ahead and get into this. We're, we're going to pick it right back up, and the portion that we're picking it up on is where they were discussing after the uh, event uh, 201 came out, and this is the actual events of what was taking place of businesses uh, being shut down, businesses actually being lost, the masking, uh, the, the social distancing, everything that came with it. And keep in mind as you're listening to this, this was all planned. It was all planned. And uh, it, it, it is absolutely stunning. And yes, the tentacles that reach out from this man, and, and I do want to say this up front, it's not just him. There were, there were others, Peter Daszak, uh, uh, Ralph Barrick, uh, but this was uh, the target here by uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. was Anthony Fauci. So we're going to pick it up with, uh, with some medical and experts, uh, medical uh, personnel and, and uh, folks, uh, experts, in various fields commenting on what was taking place. So without any further delay, here we go. Tech companies have benefited massively from pandemic policies that make no medical sense, such as lockdowns, such as not letting us shop in person, not letting us be educated in person, locking kids indoors. Amazon is up 20% net revenue in the last two years. Google is up 20 to 25% net revenue. Microsoft is up 20, 25% net revenue. Nintendo is up. All of them crafted or influenced lockdown policies that killed off human assembly, human commerce, human worship, human culture, and, and drove it all online. But it may interest you to know, you know, that all the most rigorous scientific studies have found that masks don't prevent transmission of respiratory viruses. Masks have essentially no benefit. N95 was developed to protect construction workers from dust. Dust particles are removed by those 95% effectively. Dust particles are thousands of times larger than COVID viruses, SARS-CoV-2, and, and it's like putting ping pong balls through a chain link fence. Okay, I want to pause it right there. Just and and I know the mask is ancient now, but not so fast. This is making a comeback, but I wanted to highlight because I have recently heard people speaking about the N95 mask. And here was a doctor speaking of the mask being the N95, I should say was originally designed for dust particles. And when you heard, it, you heard him say that compared to aerosolized viruses, this is like these particles running through a chain link fence or let's just say a, a tennis net. That's what it's like. So to say that the N95 masks now are you're gonna you're gonna keep viruses away and that sort of thing, 
Not at all. Not at all. Here we go. 95% of the time, they're just going to go straight through. Dr. Fauci started out by saying correctly that masks don't do any good against respiratory viruses. He said it on 60 Minutes in, in I think it was March of 2020. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And in saying that, for once, he was actually reflecting the scientific consensus, right? But then a couple months later, he completely flipped. Uh, the head of this Chinese CDC, George Gao, having said suddenly, everybody's got to wear a mask, right? Everybody in the West has got to wear a mask, as in China. Then Dr. Fauci uh, shifted. Masks are protective. If you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The Academy of Pediatric actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is that right? I mean... <laughs> then a couple months later, the World Health Organization shifted because they too had said correctly that masks don't do anything against respiratory viruses. But then they flipped. A dispute over a mask led to a woman being tased by a cop at a middle school game. Of course, no, it should have never come to this. What is your right to refuse and what is the law enforcement's ability to enforce? Well, I'm going to pause it right there again. That gentleman in the media asked a great question. What is your right when it comes to refusing or opting out, let's say, of masks? We just heard, we went from, now keep in mind, this was supposed to be the, the smartest individual in the country that we're, that we're getting guidance from. And, and sadly, and I'm going to emphasize sadly enough, the majority of us were listening to this man. So we went from no need to wear a mask. If you're out doing this, you don't need a mask. A mask doesn't really work. And then that started to shift, again, from the smartest man in the world. We're talking about a mask. I mean, do, wouldn't you think in some sort of virology school or wherever Anthony Fauci got his, let's, let's call it learners from, uh, mask would have been one of the most basic, probably one of the first two days in the class, you should learn about what a mask would do or not do. Uh, but rightly so, he began with correct information. No need for a mask. Don't. No need to worry. No panic. But then, did you see how quickly we went from no mask to? Now this is this is sort of where we really are. <laughs> even even today, you're going to hear this. But he he went from one mask is good, two is better, but you don't really have to wear two. Well. Now here we here we go again. Let's wear one mask. Well, no, go ahead and wear two. Two's really better. Well, why not three? Wouldn't three be better? Four? I mean, how many? Do, you know, go ahead and put as many on in, until you can hardly breathe, folks. What I'm getting at is 
that they were making this stuff up as they went along, and and it's, and it was like just to see what they could get away with. Now, they they were just getting into a report where this woman was tased, tased, because she refused to wear a mask. The story doesn't get into well, did she have asthma? Did she, I mean for whatever reason, this was so just unbelievable as it was transpiring all around us. But let's not forget, and I just heard a report today that the masks are making a comeback. That's an episode for another day. So uh, let's get let's get back to it here. Have to have a mask on. Shoot me, people. No. going to shoot me for trying not to breathe. Cool. Come, cool. On, Come on, dude. No. And there is Barack Obama dancing mm-hmm. uh, unmasked. He's been talking about the need to get a vaccine and all the other stuff. I don't think he wants to break from the CDC. What's interesting is I haven't heard the CDC commenting about this yet. Masks are pretty magical and they don't have much downside. Did you catch that? Bill Gates. Now, there's, there's a mask expert. He calls them magical. The masks are magical. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to believe him. People with masks, they give up their individuality. They give up rights as free human beings. You become really, it's the beginning of slavery. African-American slaves in America, they... Many of them, they wore masks. I have called the masks to be the symbolic equivalent of the yellow star that I have to wear. It's a sign that you are not free, that you are lesser. All of uh, Just quickly, this woman is a, a Holocaust survivor. She speaks from experience. This is happening only because people obey. I think masking really was a symbolic uh, signal, not only of obedience, but also that we all should maintain constant fear and that we needed to stay away from each other, from relationships. Okay, that was Bobby Kennedy. And if you didn't know, that we just briefly just gave a disclaimer. Bobby suffers from a... A, a throat uh, disease. I, I can't recall at the moment what it is, but it, his voice is very rough. It's sort of shaky. But uh, as they're talking about this masking thing, I, I you know, there is a symbolic, uh, a sign of obedience. Uh, I, I think that's also true. I liken it to an IQ test. And I think that's sort of, a, and, and I'm not trying to be funny or condescending, but it's sort of the same thing. They're looking, how many people can we get to wear the mask? And if you are trying to get everyone in lockstep and get everybody in this echo chamber to, to hear only one thing, and that is what you are trying to perpetrate your agenda, what you're trying to perpetrate on the American people— that's that's an indicator. So you look at look at your indicator light, so to speak, on the dashboard, and that was one. I liken it to an IQ test. Did you pass? Did you fail? Did you start to wear it and realize this is silly and take it off? But nevertheless, we're not the only ones that 
were looking at this this way. And we'll continue. And community. During my childhood, there were duck and cover journals. Duck and cover, just as you do in your school. We all know the atomic bomb is very dangerous. You will know when it comes. We hope it never comes, but we must get ready. We were, we were constantly drilled in school about what would happen when the Russians attacked us with nuclear weapons. That we had to remove sharps from the table. We had to put our, our head under the desk when we heard the, the alarm sounding. If you were paranoid, you might feel that the purpose of that drill was to maintain this level of, of what Bob McNamara later called mass psychosis, where you keep an entire population in fear by constantly reminding them that their lives are under attack. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, disturbed me about the masking, what it was it was very reminiscent of that. If one wears a mask or one stays in a tiny room and fills up the room with virus and continues to rebreathe the virus, there is a real chance that one could make a mild illness more severe. It's called re-inoculation. We had gotten a call from Presbyterian Village saying one of the workers contracted COVID. And this was the characteristic pattern in 2020. Remember, the senior citizens in nursing homes, they weren't going out and getting COVID. They were sitting ducks. They were already locked down. And in fact, a worker gave COVID to my dad. We were hearing stories of patients going in the hospital, being locked down in isolation, never seeing their loved ones again, and then dying in the hospital alone. We don't get to eat dinner with them. We don't get to sit with holidays for them. Memorial Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day. So uh, that's interesting. They're going to pause it again. Uh, and, and what they're showing now is scenes of uh, family members not being able to be able to get in and get close to family members that were in nursing homes. And here we here we we've got workers giving a disease or a virus to someone that is in the facility and they've got them locked down. They've got these masks on. And as uh, Dr. Peter McCullough was talking about, this is a you're breathing CO2. So so, you know, they, their immune system is they're, they're, they're taking a bit of poison from themselves, the CO2. They're rebreathing. It's a reinfection. And and that's a problem. And and now you've got them all locked down, no fresh air. They're, they're sort of crammed up. Maybe they're six feet apart, but how many of them do you have in there? But individually, they're isolated. This is, this is, it, it really is like a, just a different look at a prison, if you will. You can't get out. You can't see, you know, you, you've got to talk or see your family members through a piece of glass. And keep in mind, folks, for no reason, this was all made up. This was perpetrated it, 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 on, on purpose. They knew what they were doing. And once again, as, as we're going through this, you, you've got <laughs> – there was always treatment. There was always treatments that could treat this, could treat this virus. So it, 
you know, it's it's very very sad uh, just looking at this. So we'll uh, we'll we'll continue on here, but uh, just to to keep this in perspective. This was only a couple of years ago. It's it's amazing. Here we go. When COVID sort of broke out across the world, we started trying to learn as much as we could about the disease. You know, we saw it break out in, uh, you know, in Wuhan and then Lombardy in Italy and then Seattle and New York. I know someone in every ICU in New York City. And um, it became pretty clear what their main sort of uh, mechanisms of disease were. They were hyperinflamed and they were clotting to a degree I've never seen before. Nurses were drawing blood, it was clotting in the syringe, and it was clear they needed blood thinners. When SARS-CoV-2 came to the U.S., predominantly in New York City, uh, patients were getting really sick, they were being admitted to the ICU, they were put on ventilators, and we know the mortality at that time, if you were ventilated in an ICU in New York, was close to 90% was pointing out that I was seeing unprecedented mortality rates and we had to do something. But the, the general conservatism of medicine uh, was that no, because you might harm someone. It's hard to harm someone when they're dying at rates we've never seen them. They were clearly dying of undertreatment. Because of my efforts were being blocked and it was clear that I was not welcome, I resigned. What I did with my dad ultimately became the foundational principles of the McCullough Protocols. And the first thing I said is, open the windows. And why? Because we wanted ventilation. We wanted to reduce the viral density in the aerosol of the room. Fresh air was applied for centuries for other respiratory illnesses. Step two, the uh, Indian Medical Society for doctors had already mandated hydroxychloroquine as a standard to care once a week prophylaxis. Zinc 50 milligrams a day had a supportive role. Vitamin D 5,000 international units. Vitamin C 3,000 milligrams a day. Quercetin 500 milligrams twice a day. By July of 2020, there had been nine studies of clinical trials, not randomized, of hydroxychloroquine. Some by itself, some used with azithromycin and zinc and, and so on. Every one of those studies showed benefit. The totality of those studies, all analyzed together, showed about a 50% reduced risk of hospitalization and a 75% reduced risk of mortality. Now these studies are all studies of outpatients, people who get COVID and are treated within the first five or six days, or started treatment within the first five or six days. It was a very clear set of data about as clear as one could ever hope to get. And yet, Fauci's in the Oval Office saying this is a game changer. And next thing you know, everybody in the country is starting to give it. Supplies are starting to fill hospitals and they're all giving it. That the data shows that remdesivir has a clear-cut, significant, positive effect in diminishing the time to recovery. This will be... Okay. I'm, I'm going to interrupt uh, Mr. Fauci there in the Oval Office there, in that meeting place. That was uh, Dr. Pierre Corey, a, a pretty good Im- Im- impersonation of him as a game changer. Uh, as you heard Dr. Peter McCullough and uh, and Pierre Corey and uh, another uh, doctor there talking about and describing the hydroxychloroquine, 
vitamin C, zinc, and some, I think, were given uh, erythromycin or, you know, a, a mild uh, uh, antibiotic. But the bottom line is, is, is they were being treated effectively. And, you know, hydroxychloroquine uh, was one of them. Well, here comes Anthony Fauci in uh, introducing this, this new med, uh, remdesivir, and of course, I don't need to tell you. Uh, once this once this med was given, uh, patients were twenty to thirty percent more likely to die of renal failure. So why give it? Well, Anthony Fauci was pocketing money because Big Pharma was putting this out. Anthony Fauci was invested in it. And you, you could not make any money off of hydroxychloroquine or the other very, very effective drug, ivermectin. So here we are, and we're rolling back in time, but I want you to just listen to this. He's, he's good, and they framed him on camera in the whole nine yards to— I mean, he really presents himself well. Even I mean, even though it's 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 all fabricating, it, he he presents himself very well. So, without uh, we'll go ahead and continue on here. Be the standard of care. When I was looking at this data with our team the other night, it was reminiscent of thirty-four years ago in nineteen eighty-six when we were struggling. For drugs for HIV. Yes, and we'll pause right there. And he he was again, they're killing people with that drug. And we did the first randomized placebo-controlled trial with AZT, which turned out to give an effect that was modest. But that was not the end game because building. No, the end game, uh, Doctor Fauci, with AZT was death. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're out there. All you need to do is turn over enough rocks and research that very thing. AZT, another drug, and other physicians and, and, and medical experts were saying that was a highly, highly toxic drug. But that seems to be right down Anthony Fauci's lane, is to find one of the most highly toxic drugs to give to uh, people as a, as a a, a, a drug, to, a healing drug, or you know, a, a vaccine, if you will. Uh, but it's got to be injected, obviously. So we will continue on. On that, every year after we did better and better. There's a novel pathogen, and Fauciism always dictates that for some strange reason you throw the most toxic drugs imaginable at it, and you make one of them the kind of reigning king of treatment. Back then it was AZT, now with COVID it's remdesivir, with no feeling or regard or apprehension about the toxicity, while at the same time vilifying persecuting, creating a, a whole culture of disinformation about treatments that are older, like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, 
that doctors in droves are saying is curing people, is getting people out of the hospital, is ending this it's sickness in a matter of days, if not hours. And I, I have to point out, I am severely troubled by the fact that the NIH, the FDA, and the CDC, I do not know of any task force that was assigned or compiled to review repurposed drugs in an attempt to treat this disease. Everything has been about novel and or expensive pharmaceutically engineered drugs, things like rendesivir and vaccines. The first time I got a call from Senator Johnson's chief of staff that I heard a, a, a U.S. senator wanted to talk to me because he'd come across our website, he'd come across our protocols. Ivermectin did not come into our protocol until much, much later. So it was October of 2020. And suddenly we started to see the trials around Ivermectin consistently positive in this very large magnitude. And it was coming from different centers and countries around the world. We were talking to doctors. Doctors were reaching out to us. And he was kind of inspired that he saw some doctors that were putting out treatment guidance when the government was doing nothing. Wow. My entry into the COVID arena, you can say, um, came about when I saw Pierre Corey's testimony to the state Senate. That's Dr. Tess Laurie, and she is absolutely awesome in this part of it. Uh, that's probably a good pe- place to pause, but you can see where we're going now. And, and, you know, for those of you that have, have heard this, you know, for me, I can always hear it again because I do know I'm identifying individuals that care about medicine, that care about uh, the patient, that care about human, mankind, their brothers and their sisters. They took a Hippocratic oath. They take that seriously. And I, I, I sort of like the fact, and sometimes I may forget about uh, this individual or that individual, but boy, it, it is refreshing to see. But at the same time, very mind-boggling, very disturbing to know that in the middle of all of this, the people that are being propped up as the, sm- the ones that have all the answers in this country— this wonderful country of ours, are these pure evil individuals. And that's the, you know, that's almost the balancing act that you play going through this. Uh, folks, it gets better uh, or, or worse, whichever way you want to look at it. But uh, some really, really good information from these doctors and, and Pierre Corey and, and Tess Laurie just came on the scene here uh, on on this particular clip here as she's talking about how she was sort of pulled into it with Pierre Corey and the ivermectin effectiveness and it really sort of uh, sort of pricked her her brain of, of wow this thing's working and you know, and then she got involved as well and I don't want to you know she, she'll speak for herself here uh, as as we move further along, uh, but unfortunately, that is <laughs> that's not going to happen today. So, but this movie, this documentary, really says it all. It lays it out, and God bless Bobby Kennedy uh, for doing this. Uh, he put together this book, and then he also uh, 
collaborated uh, with this individual to get this documentary done. And, you know, pictures are, you know, better than a thousand words or, or there, there as well. But this is, this really, when you're sitting here looking at it, listening to it, it so captivates the mind and, um, boy, it's, it's a bit testing too. It, it, it tests, uh, your, maybe your, your Christianity. It, it, it tests your, maybe your temper, your temperament, your anger, because I know it has mine. My, my emotions have gone all over the place when it, when it comes to this. Uh, but this sort of lays it out, and 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 I think it's important now, as I mentioned just uh, just a few minutes earlier, that the masks are making a comeback, and we are not finished with this, folks, because there are so many people still in this country that believe that all of these variants and 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 this this corona, and I'm just going to call it nonsense. I'm not saying that it 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 doesn't exist. Yes. The coronavirus flu, it exists, but it can be treated very easily. But that is not what they want you to believe, believe it or not. So can you handle the truth with this man? I think that's a difficult thing is handling the truth. And boy, I tell you what, you know, if you... If you were listening to some of this all on your own without any other input, hey, Anthony Fauci is very believable in that respect. But when you see the facts, wow, very disturbing. Well, that's uh, that's about all we have for you uh, this afternoon. So we are going to have to wrap it up. Uh, and uh, Ben, uh, once again, a little shout out to you. Uh, missed you and and get well soon. And we'll uh, we'll go to our Lord in prayer as we wrap this one up. Father in heaven, we thank you again for this opportunity to be on this platform. We thank you again that we can inject listeners all over the world with the undiluted truth and bring things to them that maybe they didn't know. After all, that there is light out there, and that light is not to be hidden. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share light, uh, whether it be truth and, more importantly, the light of our Lord Jesus Christ, to bring truth, to bring hope to those out there. And Father, we we want to ask special prayers on all of those that were involved in putting this together and still outstanding up for truth. We ask for their protection and for them and their families. Many are risking their very jobs, their uh, their reputations, their character. We pray that your Holy Spirit be with them, comfort them, and may they know that you are indeed there with them. Uh, All of those that have been injured, uh, lost family members, we pray for 
your spirit to be there comforting them and uh, assisting in what they may be going through. Father, we thank you again for all that you have done and still do. And we pray that all of the listeners and, and those that are here in the studio hunger and thirst after your righteousness continually. And as always, as we part ways, we'll ask that every intent of our thoughts be pure. And we thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to join us again every Tuesday and Thursday on The Undiluted Truth. And remember, rock tumblers, with all of your might, continue to diligently seek truth. God bless.